Food for Thought on News Talk 760 WJR is presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state. Here's your host, Dr. Phil Knight. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for listening. In the richest country in the world, 41 million people don't have the food they need to survive and thrive. Despite Feeding America's network reaching every county in the United States and distributing 4.2 billion meals to 46 million people each year, too many Americans are still hungry. 1.5 million of them live in Michigan. For people who face hunger, not having the money to buy enough nutritious food, managing the personal crisis of being in need, and facing biases that exist in our society about people who need help make a future free from hunger difficult to reach. But we believe it can be accomplished. We believe providing nutritious food to our hungry neighbors, helping them access essential programs that provide much-needed basic resources, and connecting them to other community-based services can take hunger off the table for the families we serve. Today, Jerry Brisson and I, Jerry Brisson and me, will discuss some of the major components of the blueprint to solve hunger in Michigan. Come back and be with us. We'll be right here. Get in touch with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Visit fbcmich.org. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here with Jerry Brisson, the CEO and president of Gleaners Community Food Bank in Southeast Michigan and the chairman of the Food Bank Council. Uh, Board of Directors, Jerry, always great to see you here in our WJR studio. It's great to be here, you know, fresh off of a conversation about next year's budget. You know, right, uh, the yeah. details of life, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, You're in budget season. I'm in budget yeah, season. That's exactly and... right. Lots of ways to talk about how we invest in our priorities, and that's exciting and good, and it's always nice to think about the work we're doing together certainly for Southeast Michigan, but for the whole state of Michigan to really advance this issue. A perfect time of year to be talking about the blueprint. Well, it is exciting. You know, the mission of the Food Bank Council of Michigan is to create a food secure state. Now, we believe this will happen when uh, uh, when a, each person in our state has access to proper nutrition that's acquired through dignified means. You know, we don't just want to give a hand out, we want to give a hand up, but we we want people to feel more when they come to see us, not less. Well, for sure. I mean, the the human touch is what you see everywhere in our network and the people that care and truly it's um well, it's inspiring. If, In fact, I would say to all of you listening now, if you ever get a chance to volunteer at a local pantry and there's hundreds of them, thousands of them. 3000. Yeah. Um do it. You, you will be not only learning directly what that work is like and who comes for help and getting those stories firsthand, but you'll see the, the amazing energy of the people who really are trying to make a difference. It's, it's a powerful experience. Well, if our mission is to create food security across the state of Michigan, the, the blueprint really details how our seven-member food banks that serve all 83 counties in the state will accomplish this work. 
It's a framework, you like to say. So l- let me share very briefly the seven food banks that we're talking about here uh, in the state of Michigan. There's Feeding America West Michigan in Comstock Park. Uh, there's food, food Bank of Eastern Michigan headquartered in Flint. The Food Bank of South Central Michigan in Battle Creek. Food Gatherers in Ann Arbor. Then there's Forgotten Harvest, which is our food rescue organization here headquartered in Oak Park. Gleaners Community Food Bank in Southeast Michigan and here in Detroit, and then, of course, the Greater Lansing Food Bank there in our state capital. So those are the seven food banks, and they serve all 83 counties through a network of 3,000 different pantries. And, you know, just, just getting food out the door isn't enough for them. They want to solve this thing. Which is why you have a job. I mean, right? <laughs> really, when it comes right down to it, I mean, the Food Bank Council of Michigan is who we food bankers put together many years ago to try to help us bring focus to, the, to our work so that we're not working as seven distinct organizations. Instead, we're working as a unified whole to get best practices ferreted out, to look at who can do what now, who needs to develop something more so they can do it later. How do we not spend the same research money six times to learn the same thing? I mean, all those sorts of things, right? right. In, in addition, the Food Bank Council of Michigan is where we place our trust for speaking to our Michigan legislators, the and not just the legislators, but all of state government, to help them understand the, the impact of the investments our state is making in the food bank network. And that's a really critical role. So, so we entrust a lot to the Food Bank Council of Michigan to take us places we couldn't go by ourselves, and to show the way. Building this framework for a blueprint to end hunger is one of those key responsibilities and why it's so important for us to have, you know, doctors like uh, Philip Knight here (laughs) helping us define reality, as he likes to say. And we are grateful for that. And so it is all of us food banks working on this, but really uh, in concert in many ways, doctor, under your direction. Well, I appreciate that. And it's it's a lot of fun and uh, I think we're having impact. And so what we what we have to do is the first responsibility of leadership is to define reality. And I did that in the monologue when I said we've got about 1.5 million Michiganders who live in poverty and are food insecure. And honestly, that's about a percentage point higher than the rest of the nation. And so what you and I and the rest of the leadership of this food bank network, we find all of that. One in five kids in Michigan are food insecure. One in six Michiganders uh, are food insecure. We find all of that unacceptable. Right. And so we know uh, that there are at least five compelling logical reasons why we believe we can solve this problem. And, of course, those reasons are the very first part of the framework to say, what are we really trying to do? And do we think it's possible to do it? It's a really important part of the framework, and you have to start with that, right? So here we go. 
The first reason is that enough people really want this to end. They don't want food security to persist. They know it has a detrimental impact. Every major religion in the world says hunger should be an issue we solve. There Mm -hmm. is no exception. So enough people want to see this end. That's a really good reason why it can be ended. The second is... Food is plentiful. It's not to say that there aren't ups and downs in in how much food is available, but we know and our farmers know worldwide how to get great production out of every acre that can be farmed. And that means we have the resource to end hunger, which is food. The third thing is it's cheaper to end hunger than to have it continue. Hmm. The It costs so much to our society by letting hunger persist, especially in childhood development, but not just there. In healthcare, in lots of places, there is so much evidence to say that it's cheaper to end hunger than to have it continue. Fourth, we can prove the impact of solving hunger. So I say it's cheaper, we can prove it's cheaper, and that it has other positive impacts. And lastly, that step-by-step, We can make progress until this is solved. That's the five reasons that start the framework for building a blueprint to end hunger. We want you to stay with us because we're not just talking about logical steps, as important as they are, but but as we progress through the show, we're going to talk about specific programs and ideas that we think can help us take the state to the next level of food security. You come back and be with Jerry and me. We'll be right here in our WJR studio waiting on you. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight on WJR. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're back here. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here with Food for Thought, and we're changing the conversation about food insecurity across this state. And we know we're doing that because people are stopping us as we're traveling, walking, and talking about the show and the different topics that we've covered here. And that's pretty exciting to me, Jerry. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's it's a very affirming process when there's enough people paying attention that they start telling you before you tell them. Right. And yeah. that's good. That's good. That means the conversation is changing. And I can't, I, you know, last time we counted the number of guests we've had on the show, I know it was well over 100. Oh, yeah. And so we might be closing in on 150 or... Getting close. Getting close. And, you know, every one of those conversations has been interesting and exciting and adding value to the conversation. And the more it happens, the more we're going to see people saying, hey, I heard about this or I know about this. And they might not give us credit. That's okay. Credit is the least important part of this. It's that people are talking about it that's important, and that's well. When it gets to be top of the mind, food security and food first, these concepts that we're talking about. Two quick examples, and then I want you to kind of walk us through how we've developed from 2007 uh, this idea of creating a blueprint. But um, you know, on both sides of the aisle, uh, everyone wants to see this problem solved. So um, just a quick example, uh, Senator uh, Schmidt from up in Traverse City stopped me and he said, hey, we got to stop dropping people off the financial cliff. And he read the document that we produced that says, you know, this is how much money they make and this is how much money they have to make and the self-sufficiency standard. And then on the other side of the aisle, Senator Curtis Hertel was like, hey, I just used the self-sufficiency standard in my testimony before my committee. 
And so I think that when influencers, leaders are using the material that we're talking about here on the show and producing out of our network, I think it's pretty exciting. It is, and certainly speaks to the quality of the information that we're producing. And of course, that's important too, yeah. because they wouldn't be using it if it wasn't high quality. We're, we're using the data we have, and we're developing more information all the time to actually prove the outcomes, which again, is one of our reasons. So having people say, you've proved it, here it is. I got it, and it's proven. Let me use this to get something good done. That's exactly what we're trying to do. Absolutely. Well, I wish you and I could take the credit for coming up with the concept of a blueprint to solve hunger. But honestly, that idea goes all the way back to 2007. Yeah, the only thing I can take credit for is being old enough to remember. (laughs) (laughs) But I was there. Yeah, I was there when the first blueprint came out. uh, And... And it was a huge leap forward for the Food Bank Council at the time. And what they did was they created a framework based on what they knew then about what would it take to strengthen the safety net. Mm -hmm. And their blueprint was really designed to get us to the next level of um, social impact around food security. And the safety net are the social services that... that uh, United States citizens are able to take care of, take advantage of, to help take care of their basic needs. Exactly, including the work of the food banks. Right. So, so it was an it was a it took all the county data that was available at the time, including unemployment data, poverty data, how much the average family was getting from SNAP and WIC and all the government programs, and put that all together in a book and said, "Here's the state." of food security in Michigan today. And here's four pillars that we think we can put together to make this better. What were those four? So it was localized community-based solutions that people want to solve hunger at home. So Mm -hmm. let's develop solutions that are really localized. The second was strengthening charitable food programs and there were there were specific pillars under that but how can we as food banks improve what we're doing and make our network better that was the second one okay the third one was really helping people make better decisions about their health as it relates to food and nutrition that that idea started back in 2007 and was built into the blueprint and what we were talking about doing then was cooking matters and things programs that really had to do with not just the pounds we distributed, but the quality of those pounds and helping people make better choices. And the last one was optimizing government food programs. So that wasn't just asking for more money, but it was really understanding how we could make those programs work better for families and kids, seniors, those that we serve. Those were the pillars of that blueprint. So those four, and I just want to pull out one, and it was the third one. Tell me what that one was again. That's empowering people to make good choices about food and health. So, and it's also about, you know, what great leaders do is give people the best options they can. And making the best choice the easy choice. Right. Absolutely. So it's a choice between what's great and maybe what's, you know, good and not what's a choice between what's good and what's bad. Right. So, you know, we got better. So, and I'll illustrate this. Look, any food will solve hunger. If you're hungry and grab a bag of chips or whatever, then you can you can eat those and you're going to solve hunger. Doesn't mean that's good for you, but it solves hunger, right? So, 
we evolved. Last year, we distributed across our network 182 million pounds of food in the state of Michigan. And over 80 million pounds of that 182 million was fresh produce. Exactly right. So the blueprint from 2007 created a framework for us to think differently about the issue, and we do. And that opened up whole new avenues of reaching farmers Mm -hmm. to ask them directly, how can we unlock more of the produce that's available in the food system? So, And that wasn't just play. When you talk about what you just said in terms of the pounds of produce, we weren't distributing 10% of that number of pounds of produce in 2007. Right. So that is a huge and significant impact as a result of that blueprint. But we're not done. We've added to that framework. We Those four pillars helped us get better. And right. now we have more things that have grown from that and from other things that we've learned that are making us better. Well, it's the principle that Sam Chan taught us, right? Knowing what you know now, what would you do? What would you do differently? So what they knew then is what they knew. And they built those four pillars of the blueprint. And now, and we've learned a lot in these 10, 11 years. And the the access to healthy, nutritious food illustrates that. But you and I and our entire board of directors from all of these different food banks, plus Dave Donovan, who's not a food banker, but on our board, We've come together, and we've added some things to that. What are they? So I think as we develop programs on the last blueprint, one of the biggest challenges is how do you get sustainable funding, right? So we've had to grapple with that challenge. We know more about what people actually need, but we weren't able to get all the funding and all the resources we need to solve the problem. So we said, in order to do that, we have to do what? We have to, first of all, understand who wins when this problem is solved. Hmm. Bring winners to the table. Healthcare, education, businesses with low-income employees, utilities that serve many of the same people that we do that are struggling to pay their bills, people who win when this problem is solved. We've got to get them to the table and make sure they understand that an investment in solving this is good for them, right? That's something that wasn't in the last blueprint that's really important in the blueprint today. The second thing is we need to really take the data we have and develop more information to prove that this actually works. So conceptually, we know it works, but to prove it works, you have to be able to answer much more specific questions. And those questions are, who does it help? How much help do they need? And for how long? Right. So by being able to answer those specific questions, you're not only telling somebody, you know, you really benefit when this is solved, but you can tell them how much they benefit because you know the answers to those questions. So our framework has a lot more emphasis on really getting good information that can prove these outcomes. And that's going to create sustainable funding streams that are going to make the safety net stronger for everyone. And that's those are very important additions to the blueprint that existed in 07 that, ex- that now are available to us to start working with to drive more solutions. So we've evolved. We've, we've, we've learned knowing what we knew then is what we developed. And now knowing what we know now, we're able to enhance. That's right. And this framework 
is going to bring us four or five more things that I think, and I and I and I believe this is true, that ten years from now, when we're building another blueprint, we're going to say, "But look how far we've come because of that blueprint." Yeah, and that's the step by step process that it's going to take to solve a problem as big and as thus far intractable as hunger and food insecurity has been. Well, that's part of the reasons we believe it can be solved. It's not bigger than we are, not better than we are, and it's not beyond us. Yep. So Jerry and I are going to come back. And one of the things I want us to talk about is uh, the impact that hunger has economically. And, um, And then talk about some of the programming and innovative ideas that are coming down the pipe that we're piloting now that shape some of the, the, the programs that really have solid impact in creating food security across Michigan. He's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. This is Food for Thought. Come back and be with us. You're listening to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight. Brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan. We're back here, Jerry. Um, You touched on how we've evolved from 2007 to today. Kind of Blueprint blueprint 1.0. Now we're developing Blueprint 2.0. Is there any other thing? thing that we're missing here that 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 we've we evolved to that that you see that is included in 2.0 that that wasn't in 1.0 you know i think there's something we've maintained that i don't want to leave out of this and that is then food banks were about 96 percent efficient you know 96 percent of every dollar maybe 95 percent went to the work right now it's still 95, 96, sometimes 97% of every dollar still going to the work. So the reason I'm pointing that out is because we haven't evolved in a way that's the cost benefit of what we do has been dramatically changed. Sure. We are still incredibly efficient at what we do (laughs) in spite of the fact that we're doing more and better than we've ever done. And I do think it's important to say that. And I want to, and this is a shout out to every food bank in the state. It's, it's one of the reasons why it's so exciting to be in this network because they take this responsibility very seriously. And so we're not just trying to get more administrative dollars, right? We're yeah. doing this very efficiently. So we're not just building bigger warehouses and and uh, bureaucracy. Yeah, right. And and piling on is it, we've we've stayed at a very attractive level for funders uh, who are going to maximize their donor dollars at, for impact. Well, and so that we know that we're not just building a bureaucracy, right? Yeah. I mean, it's really important that we do this the way we do it, for the dollars we do it, because you're not going to solve a problem this big if you're just getting more and more and more structure. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, and you know, I'm, and when I say donors, I'm, I'm not talking about just the person who, who sends in their donation online every month to the food bank or, uh, or, or but I'm also talking about the, you know, the state of Michigan makes significant yep. Yep. investment into our work. The federal government makes significant investment into our work here, and they do so because they get a great return on that investment. 
They do. And and I do think it's important when we talk about the, the blueprint and the framework that it takes these things into account. I also think we should probably spend a minute on on a concrete example. We can walk through some of how these partnerships work. And, and I want to talk about kids in summertime. When I got into this work uh, 12 years ago, this is food bank work, and started working for Gleaners, um, we saw that more families were coming to us over the summer, but we were going, why is this? Why, why are we seeing more people? Every June, there was this huge spike in the number of families that were coming to us, and we were just like, what is going on here? So we looked into it pretty pretty deeply at the time and went, huh, it's no school. Right. When kids are out of school, they're not getting one or two meals a day at school and that's why families are coming to us. Now, maybe it should have been more obvious. And, you know, every time you look back at what you did before that wasn't very smart, you it's pretty easy to say, gosh, that, that was pretty dumb. But, but getting past that for a minute and getting to the truth of this, we said, gosh, we got to let people know. We got to tell people that kids aren't eating in the summer because they get these subsidized meals during the school year and they're not getting them during the summer. And that conversation added millions more meals just in Southeast Michigan for the summer. Mm -hmm. That people, when they became aware, it was obvious what was going on, that kids need help when they're not in school. There wasn't systems to do that very efficiently. And we need to change that conversation. It resulted in millions more meals. Now, where are those meals coming from? Certainly the food banks are doing more. But the government programs are tweaked now. There's been waivers. There's been things that we've changed to attract more kids to come to community sites. That's the summer food service program. It's mm-hmm. not perfect, but it increased the number of kids getting meals from zero to 17%. So that, that's 17% of the kids who are eligible for free and reduced breakfast and lunch. That's exactly right. So that was a significant increase in impact for kids during the summer. The number of sites increased from a few sites that were doing something to hundreds of sites. And again, this is just in Southeast Michigan I can talk about. Hundreds of sites where kids can go to make to increase this access. It's not just lunch. It's breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? Because we're understanding that kids need these meals and households and families need these meals. So all of these different things start coming together so that you can start to see more impact on an issue because, frankly, you now know the information that you didn't know before. And so it's a concrete example of how changing the conversation Hmm. can create impact that crosses many different sectors. Wow. So I love that is a concrete example of how this work has evolved and, again, the return on investment and the impact we're having. Because, you know, if kids have access to food, uh, a lot more food during the school year, uh, their bodies and their minds are developing. And if they don't have that access during the summer recess, then we're losing that ground that we gained, or at least a lot of that ground we gained with the access to food during the school year. And we're not proving the same thing twice. We proved that kids benefit from this strongly enough that we created school programs to make sure these kids are nourished in school. So the same research applies to the summertime. 
You don't have to prove it again. You just have to figure out how to do it. And of course, that's what we do. Well, that's a that's a great example, of, and that's certainly the summer feeding program is a huge part of what food banks do, and are the chosen partner from the Michigan Department of Education to help make that happen all across the state. So I think it's a pretty cool compliment that they recognize the efficiencies that they see in our network and our ability to reach people where they're at. So taking that conversation now to a whole nother level, we're again working with the Michigan Department of Education in a few school districts. Uh, I want to say it's three school districts right now across the state. um, And I think there's a fourth one that's coming into this. Um, And what we're doing is now we're looking at every single program that schools are using to feed kids. And we're asking the question, is this the best way to do this? Are we getting participation where it needs to be? How much more do we need to get into households? Because we really don't believe you can have a food secure child if you don't have a food secure household. So without spending more money, Can we take the dollars we're spending now and actually make the children more food secure by looking at how do we understand food security in the household? And I think we're going to do it. There's already examples of success just by the school districts we're working with knowing here's the list of programs we could be taking advantage of, the ones we are, the ones we're not, the ones that are working and the ones that aren't, and reshaping their solution based on what will work better. And in the next year, we are going to be developing an entire framework for school districts around the issue of food security in households. That is going to take us places. I think it'll take us as far, if not farther, than what the summer programs have done. Sure. Oh, I, th- I think it will, too. I think it will, too. And that's just one example of how this idea of our work, the blueprint, is developing and expanding into areas that we might have touched a little bit, but some we've never touched before, like healthcare. And so I think that we, as we're growing, as we're evolving as leaders, we are, we are finding new and better opportunities that make us more efficient and have more impact. That's exactly right. And again, it's not just about needing more money. It's taking every dollar we have and spending it better and solving more of the problem by understanding what, who needs help, how much help do they need, and for how long. And when you start getting those answers, you can be not only uh, bigger in size, but bigger in impact, even if you're not bigger in size. And both those things are really important aspects of the blueprint and the framework by which we think this problem can be solved. Well, you know, understanding who needs help, how much help do they need, and for how long is um, a huge part of the self-sufficiency standard that we published at the Food Bank Council for um, 714 different household types across all 83 counties. And we, we can tell you what their level needs to be of, of, of household income uh, in order to be not need any of our services. Right. So, you know, we're defining the problem and uh, we're creating the solution. And that's what the blueprint is all about. He's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. We're talking about the framework, the blueprint to solve hunger in Michigan and some of the components that make that up. You come back, be with us. We're going to come back and continue this discussion right here on WJR. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight. Presented by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. 
Once again, here's Dr. Phil Knight. Thanks for listening, everybody. We do really appreciate that, don't we, Jerry? Very much. I mean, uh, it wouldn't be much of a radio show if no one was listening. Right. Well, the radio show and then, you know, uh, downloading the podcast and listening and subscribing, we are very, very appreciative. You know, you can find us at foodsecuremichigan.org. And um, so we're talking about the blueprint of how we're going to create food security or at least go to the next level of food security across the state. And um, a big part of the equation is uh, who wins when we win? What's the, how do we answer that question? And one of the first answers that came up was education wins. Because when kids are well fed, they're well, well read. Right? Exactly right. So, you know, that I think is probably feeds into the concept of the pilot you were talking about at the end of the last segment about how we're partnering with different school ju- school systems districts to uh, investigate the the idea of creating food security in a household rather than just in a student's life. Yeah, because if again, if the household is food secure, it reduces a tremendous amount of stress. And kids not only need the food, but they also need an environment where their mind can be maximized, right? Where they can learn the most and and be their best. And so not being able to feed your family creates a tremendous amount of stress on the children. And and I know some research has shown that kids blame themselves. Yeah. They so they feel guilty and horrible about why there's not enough food in the house and somehow think that they have to be responsible for that. Well, I mean, why wouldn't they think that? Right? I mean, if you don't have enough food in your house, you're one of the mouths that need to be fed. It's somewhat your fault. I mean, again, not to make this too simple, but the toxic stress that that's created in a household that's not got enough nutritious food is a part of what holds kids back. So we have to imagine household-based solutions in order to hit what? Educational outcomes for these kids. Right. If we want kids to be at third grade reading by third grade, there is no path to there without food first. And that's why we say it so often on the show, food first. That, that stress and the nutrition that they need both have to be addressed. Well, I think, you know, momentum is your best friend or your worst enemy, right? So here's an example of it being our best friend. You remember Doc Bouvier that we had on the show? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So Doc works up in Grand Blanc and has an office in Flint and everything, opening a new office on Flushing Road in, uh, in Flint. And he calls me this week and he says, hey, Doc. He calls me Doc, too. So I said, hey, Doc, how you doing? You know, so he, the, the, the short of it is this. He said, uh, I'm, I'm going after a grant to be able to do a lot of what you just described in the school district work through my clinic. Because I want people to have access to healthy, nutritious food. And I want to call the program Food first. <laughs> I've heard that before. Yeah. It's, nice. It's pretty cool. Nice. So momentum's our best friend or our worst enemy. And in this case, it's our, our best friend because people who have been on the show, been exposed to our work in the food bank network are catching the idea, the concept that food first, and this is a huge part of the blueprint, that it has to it has to be there, according to unless Abraham Maslow lied to all of us, <laughs> then you know it is really has to be addressed. And what I find 
too oftentimes is when people are trying to marry business and education or health care and, uh, and, and any of these concepts, they're forgetting the concept and the principle of food first. Well, it's easy to get distracted. There is so much information, and, and all that information is important. But getting back to the fundamentals is also important, and that's what Food First is attempting to do. Yeah. Well, look for some marketing uh, about this concept. And I'm happy to say that, you know, uh, not to date the show or anything, but we have had good conversations with both candidates for the governor's office about the concept of food first. Yes, we have. And both very receptive. Very receptive. Well, I guess it's time for a little food for thought. Vision is simply an idea of a better tomorrow. And over the last 10 years, we've learned a lot and gotten more efficient at what and how we do this work. In 2007, as a network, we served just 26 million of our hungry neighbors. And in 2017, we served 46 million nationwide. We are reaching more of our people who need us. We are better at what we do, and we are closing the meal gap. If in the next 10 years we can make as much progress then we will have taken a gigantic step toward creating food security and helping families reach self-sufficiency. I hope you will come alongside of us, invest part of your one handful of life by giving of your time, talent, and treasure at one of our seven food banks that serves every county in Michigan. After all, we make a living by what we get, we make a life by what we give. Thanks for being with us and catch up on all of our shows generously sponsored by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan at foodsecuremichigan.org. Follow me at DrPhil14 on Twitter. And as always, until next week, remember, it's food first, folks. Food first. Food for Thought has been a presentation of Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food-secure state.